Pastor Larry Mouton and his lovely wife, Reba, is here with us. And um, just from, it's, it's interesting, Randy Brown introduced us several years ago. And I was, even just as we were worshiping, Randy, just thanking the Lord for you for introducing us and all the fruit that's coming out of that. I was just speaking last week to Pleasant Mount Gilead and just going, this is a, I'm in worship and it's happening. I mean, B3, spinning Leslie speaker up on the wall. I got a guy, I'm, I'm starting to do like this and I got a guy beside me going, come on, come on, go with me. And I'm like, I'm going as far as I can. I'm trying. But it was just, they, they love me. I, I felt like I was home and I, I want you guys to love Larry the same way. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that just we're getting to do to express unity in the body of Christ. You know, and, part, and we love each other. Larry spoke here two years ago, and we weren't able to do it last year, but uh, we did this swap, pulpit swap thing. But what's happened in the last two years is that we've eaten a lot of food together. <laughs> Come on, seriously, we've eaten a lot of food together. Uh, Where's Roger? When I first, that first trip to Croatia, that guy sat me down and said, well, I don't even know you yet. I haven't had a kilo of salt with you. And it's just, there's something powerful about brothers. I don't know that we've had a kilo. We might've had a pound. (laughs) Had some fried chicken the other day that was, had had some salt in it for sure. But I love this brother and I want to just encourage you in an elementary way. It's things like, Praise the Lord. Preach it. You're about to go right now. Come on. Uh-huh. All those things like green light. The way you listen, it's going to draw it out of him. Okay? And the brother, he doesn't need a lot of help. <laughs> so y'all give it up for Pastor Larry Mouton. Christ Fellowship, welcome. Here we go. We certainly thank God for this privilege he has graciously extended, and I am equally grateful to Pastor Miller for the privilege uh, he has offered and coming and share with the Christ Fellowship family. Pastor Jamie has already elaborated on that, so I won't go uh, a long way, but I'm thankful for uh, our mutual friend and person of Dr. Brown, Randy, and Anda, or uh, friends of ours, and we praise God for them as well. And, and through the years, uh, same thing with Pastor Miller and his wife, Kim, uh, coming close together. We, we fellowship at different uh, churches with different pastors, and, and we often share uh, cuisine, uh, as he would say, like uh, uh, tacos and things of that nature. So uh, this month, they were at our church, and I said we would have some soul Cajun food. So it was a little spicy, and <laughs> but we had a good time, and I'm so thankful above all for his friendship, uh, his wisdom, his heart, his compassion for the Lord, and for Christ Fellowship family and his own family. Uh, hey, Randy, I just thought about it. Seven years ago, uh, I had the biggest piece of cake uh, in northern Uganda uh, that your father purchased. Uh, today is my birthday, and I thought about it seven years ago. We win. Northern Uganda eating big cake. So um, I'm going to prepare to do that again after service. Uh, last but certainly not least, I want to acknowledge the presence of my wife, and, and I take great joy in introducing her. She is the gift that God has so graciously granted me. 
Uh, I have a number of ways in which I describe her, but if you would indulge me, if I uh, were to describe her uh, as a, uh, in, the, in the vernacular or vocabulary of a composer, I say she is the melodious and harmonious sounds that soothes my soul and bring tranquility to my being and the calmness and stillness to my mind in the middle of the night. My wife, whom I love and thank God. In fact, this year we celebrated uh, 25 years of marriage, and I thank God for that. Amen. Amen. If you would be kind and open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, uh, we're going to consider chapter 1 as well as chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 in each chapter. Don't let two chapters of exposition uh, think, uh, cause you to think that I'm going to tarry very long. Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And the word of the Lord reads, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why doest thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spalling and violence are before me. And there are that raised up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slack, and judgment do it never go forth. For the wicked do compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeded. In chapter 2, verse 1, Rebekah avowed, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness, your tender mercies toward us. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for your infallible word. Thank you for the privilege as your servant to speak your word. Use me, Lord, to speak to us, your people. And we pray and believe you even now for your glorious salvation and divine inspiration, that we may ultimately be drawn nigher to your heart. And we praise you, we adore you, we love you, we honor you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you this morning uh, for a brief moment from this notion, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. From innocent childhood queries to intricate university discussions, life is filled with questions. We ask why, we ask when. We probe beneath the surface seeking to find that which will satisfy our soul, only to discover that not all questions comes with answers that are neatly wrapped and tied. These unanswered interrogations beget more question and nagging and ultimately spirit-destroying doubt. Some choose to live with their doubt, going on with life, ignoring them. Others become cynical and hardened. And still there are those of us who are like Habakkuk. We continue to ask questions, seeking answers. 
Habakkuk's questions were not merely intellectual exercises, nor were they bitter complaints, but they were sincere concerns of the heart. Habakkuk lived during the day of the Great Reformation. He had seen Assyria fading in power in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar, rising to a place of supremacy. His own land full of lawlessness and tyranny. The people were living in open sin. They were oppressing the poor. This was the condition of Judah. And Habakkuk had observed this throughout the course of his lifetime and his ministry. He had watched the decadence of Judah and he brought the facts before God and asked God to intervene, but seemingly to no avail. Habakkuk said the law of the land is slack. Habakkuk said the wrong is getting away with unrighteousness. Habakkuk said that the wicked is hemmed in with the righteous to such a degree that they are totally frustrated. And those who are responsible for upholding the law are being bought off and ruling in favor of the wicked against the righteous. And so Habakkuk rehearses these facts again to God. He says, Lord, intervene. But God seemingly did not intervene. Here in the text, the Bible says the burden in the Hebrew, it is masa. It is a weight that is difficult to carry. That which is perplexed and hard to hold. He says he saw this. He experienced and observed this. And he cried out to God, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? How long shall I lament? How long shall I weep and wail? How long shall I cry out to you and thou wilt not hear? I want to pause for a moment here and say, perhaps some of you can identify with crying out to God because of situations and circumstances in your own life that were challenging to understand. It's not that God is not good. It's not that we do not have the joy of the Lord. It's not that we do not know the strength of God. It's not that we do not know the goodness of God, but there are some moments, some occurrences that transpire in our lives that cause us to cry out to God, God, how long will we contend with what we are contending with? And it might seem, perhaps not you, but I've been on journeys in the course of my life where it seems as if God was not listening. When we prayed, he didn't say yes in response to our petitions. He didn't say no. He didn't say perhaps. He didn't say, let me consider it and follow up with you with a plan or a strategy. God didn't say any of those things. But the good news is I've learned after this journey that when God does not say anything at all, when he doesn't say yes or no, or maybe it doesn't mean that God is not saying wait. At times, God is teaching us to trust him. At times, God is teaching us to have an utter dependence upon him. At times, God will say wait, even when we cry out of all the turmoil going on around us because we live in a world that lives independent of God. We live in a world that lives separate from God and all kinds of stuff is going on around us. But the body of Christ, we as believers in Jesus Christ must live by faith, not by sight, not what it looks like, not what it appears to be, not what it seems to be, but we must live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say the just shall live by faith. If we are going to live by faith, there are four simple things that we must consider. First of all, faith is having a knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is. 
It is when our hearts and minds embrace wholeheartedly who he is. It is an ascent, but it's also an appropriation that we begin to live in our lives according to the word of God and the will of God because we believe God is who he says he is, his son is who he says he is, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he enables us and empowers us to live for the glory of God. And if we're going to live by faith, the first thing we must understand is that every believer must have expectation. That's my first point. The believer must have expectation. Look at verse 1, chapter 2. Habakkuk petitions the heaven. He cries out to God and he says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? That is a measure of faith depicted. That is a degree of faith that is exhibited. How do you know that? Because he doesn't say, Lord, I am in this situation to no avail. But he says, how long shall I cry? And the implication of his inquisition is that he knows God is going to judge. It's not a matter of when or or whether, but rather when. And so he asked God this question and God responds to him. Look at chapter uh, two, verse one. The Bible says, I will stand upon my watch and I will set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer. And when I am reproved, we must have expectation. Habakkuk asked God a question. He petitions the heaven. Then he resolves to leave his question with God. He doesn't get in a hurry and get before God. He doesn't become disturbed and try to make things happen for God. He doesn't become so faithful, if you will, that he wants to orchestrate God's plan without his wisdom and guidance. But rather, he resolves to wait for God. He paints a picture here of an ancient world, of a city established and a wall erected around it. And then there are towers all around this wall and guards sit in this tower and they gaze out into the distance to see if intruders or enemies are coming. It serves as a mean to fortify a city. But really, while it sounds like that's the language that Habakkuk is talking about, Hebrew is a, a descriptive language, but really Habakkuk is not talking about his geographical location. He's not talking about his vicinity. He's not talking about the proximity. He's not even talking about the setting, really. He is referring to the disposition and the attitude of his heart that he resolves to wait on God. Right there, Habakkuk is worthy of two commendations. Number one, he's worthy to be commended because of his utter dependence upon God. What a great example for us. What a great example to have an absolute surrender, a total subjection to God, utter dependence upon God. But secondly, he is to be honored because of his willingness to wait on God. Sometimes I don't know about you. I don't know your particular situation, so I won't be presumptive at all. But sometimes I made the grave mistake of trusting God. But then I got in the way of doing it for God and realized that all I was doing is making a big mess. It's commendable to wait on God. And Habakkuk selected. He chose to wait on God and to see what God would say unto him. He says, and what? He will say when I am reproved. He observed this dilemma that Judah was in. He knew the horrible conditions that the Chaldeans had come to invade them and wondered why. The Babylonians were a wicked nation, but Judah was a righteous people, God's people. And all of a sudden you have this invasion. He doesn't understand this. What should he say to the people as a prophet? 
And he resolves to wait to see what God will say. This was difficult. He says, and what I will say when I am reproved. In other words, when God instructs him as to what he will say, what he would declare to the people. Can I pause right there and say, whenever we petition God, it's always wise to wait till God speaks. Rather that be through his word as he uses his servant leader, your pastor, Pastor Miller, rather that be through some experience or an impression on our hearts, whatever means that God choose to speak to us, it is always wise to pause and listen for God's wisdom and guidance and direction. And that's exactly what Habakkuk did. He had expectations. He trusted that God would answer, and God did. The second thing, if we're going to live by faith, Not only must we have expectations, but we must also have, number two, clarification. Look at verse two. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Now the vision is forthcoming. God has spoken to Habakkuk. He gives him his direction and his guidance, and he admonishes him to write the vision down on clay tablets, large, legible letters that was often displayed in the marketplace where citizens would read and disseminate the message throughout the land. And the Bible says that they would read this. He wanted to read it and and they would run with joy, not with fear, but they would run with joy. This joy, this message was both bitter and it was sweet. It was bitter because of the coming invasion of the Chaldeans, but it was also sweet because of the ultimate defeat of the Chaldeans. God will keep you no matter what God may bring you through. If it's one thing I've learned in my course of life, Pastor Miller, is that God will at times make a promise and somewhere between the proclamation of the promise and the manifestation of a problem. God will permit a problematic situation, but there is a purpose in the problematic situation, and that is that God wants us to trust him come what may. No matter what we have to contend with between the time that God promises it and the manifestation of that promise, God will allow... You don't believe that? Thank you so much. Job is an example. Job knew what it was to go through some hardship. Job knew what it was to contend with some things, but ultimately Job Job learned. He says, whatever I go through, I will trust the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him because I know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or even think. So he answers him. He gives him clarification. I want to encourage someone right here No matter where you are in life or what you may contend with, I'm not being assumptuous here. I believe that we have a joyous life as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But at times when we face those potholes and bumps and what have you in the journey of life, always remember that anytime you go through something to remind yourself of what God promised in his word and his will will come to fruition. That gives us joy to keep fighting a good fight of faith. That gives us the tenacity to keep living for God no matter what happens. But thirdly, if we're going to live by faith, not only must we have clarification, uh, expectation and clarification, but we should also have transformation. That's a change. I told you for me, there were times in my life, ashamedly, and yet I've learned from the experience that I would uh, help God. And then I learned that that wasn't the right thing to do, but to trust God is. 
The Bible says in verse three, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That was encouraging to me, but it was also confusing and baffling to me. I found myself, not you, bewildered because I look at the text and the Bible assures me that what God promises will come to pass for the vision is yet for an appointed time. A predetermined time by God. God knows exactly and precisely when he will bring his promise to fruition in our lives. He knows that. He, but he also says at the end it shall speak and the time that God sees fit. Not a moment earlier, not an occasion later. God says whenever he sees fit, it will come to pass and it will not lie. Whatever God declares, it will be according to his will and his word. Then he says, though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That's the part where I was confused because he began by saying, though it tarry. Then he says it will not tarry. And I'm from the school of thought that either it will or it won't. This cannot be an Ammon Joy journey where sometimes I feel like a, and sometimes I don't. Either it will or it won't. But here is what God helped me to understand. To me, it will appear as if it's held up. Because sometimes in life, there are occurrences that transpire. There are experiences that are unfortunate that happens in our lives and cause us to think that it will not happen. God says, though it tarry, it looks like it to me, but it will not tarry according to his word. And that's the encouragement that we need to carry on. I'm going to my seat, as we say at our church. The just shall live by faith. Living by faith means having expectations from God to do what God is able to do. It means having clarification, being clear on the promises of God, the word of God, despite societal influences and all types of philosophical views that tends to infiltrate our thinking and affect our lives. We must stand by the word of God. That's what brings the transformation or the change. Paul says in Romans 12 and 2, uh, your, let our minds be renewed and be transformed, not conformed to this world. But be ye renewed by the transforming of your mind as we wash our minds with the word of God. But lastly, as believers in Jesus Christ, we must have determination. Look at the text. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. There are two classes of people in this text. There is the Chaldeans who appeared to be victors in the forthcoming conflict. And then there is Judah, who appeared to be defeated or vanquished in the forthcoming conflict. The truth of the matter is, the difference between these two groups is their faith, the object of their faith. For the Chaldeans, they had faith within themselves. They were haughty and arrogant and prideful. But on the other hand, the righteous people of God had faith in Jehovah. They were going to endure some privation while the others appeared to experience prosperity. The truth of the matter is they would suffer physically, but they would be successful eternally. Where is our faith in times of hardship? 
It's easy to worship God and to adore him and honor him and be grateful unto him and thankful for his goodness in our lives. But what about the times that we face when we are having tough times making decisions a hardship with families or financial crises or believing God to like the young man said for Greece, just trusting God to 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 save someone and be goal oriented and contend with those challenges. Where is our faith then? The just must live by faith, not just the faith we find the faith we have when we come to the altar of God and he blesses us with his glorious salvation, but we must live by faith. This is a continuous action, a perpetual act in our lives that we surrender unto God come what may. This is the battle cry. This is the watchword of the great reformation of Martin Luther. This is what every believer ought to embrace come what may. We must remember that God is not only the shepherd of the, the green pastures. He's not only the shepherd of still waters, but he's the shepherd even in the valley of the shadow of death. He's able to keep us no matter where we are. The just shall live by faith. I recall the first time my daughter inquired of me. She said, Daddy, what is faith? And I said to her, let's go to the Bible and look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And the Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I said, this is not really a description or rather a definition per se, but rather more like a description of how faith functions. And then being a seven year old, I had to go to her at that time and show her in a practical way. And if you would indulge my elementary approach, I want to share that with you. I went to the cabinet in our kitchen and I said to her, I, as I pulled out some flour and some clabber girl and some vanilla extract and some eggs and some Crisco, you know, the pasty substance. And I said, she didn't really know what that was because in her generation, she really knows Duncan Hines and Betty Crocker. But I said, grandma would make a great cake out of this. And I said, all of these ingredients is what a substance is like. Now faith is the substance. First, it is the Christ himself. But substance is also an ingredient to a product. It is the underlying element. It is what matter is to chemical. And I told her, I said, baby, all these things are distasteful. You wouldn't want any of these things. Like if I gave her a cup of sugar or offer you a, a cup of vanilla extract, none of us would really want to consume that in and of itself because it's very distasteful and it's nasty. And that's how sin looks. That's how sin looks in our lives. It's nasty. But here's what God does by faith as we trust him. God would take those ingredients and put it into a mixing bowl. And then he would take a whisk and stir it. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 when he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. God works things out in such a way that regardless to what we experience in life, the end result is God's eternal purposes. And then God will take it from a mixing bowl, put it in a baking pan, shove it in an oven, put it at a certain heat so that it might rise to be what it was intended to be. All I'm trying to say is God can take our sin, God can take our mess ups, 
God can take our blunders. God can take our brokenness. God can take our fragmented life and make something whole while you would not taste clabber girl and flower. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But over here, it's a cake with cool icing and cold milk, which you didn't want there. Everybody wants a piece here. And that's how our life is with the Lord. The just shall live by faith because God is able to turn it around for your favor. No matter what's going on in our world today, no matter what's going on in our home, in our community or society at large, no matter what's transpiring in our lives, we must know without a shadow of a doubt that God is able. He's not just able to do all. He's able to do above all. In fact, he's not just able to do above all. He's able to do abundantly above all. In fact, he's not just able to do abundantly above all. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. To God be the glory for his absolute goodness. All right. Y'all give it up. Thank you, Lord. Y'all give it up. Can I get the worship team to come on up? Ministry team, come on up. We are, uh, we're going to just respond to this. And, and, and this may be for some people coming forward. Uh, Pastor Larry and Reba have to uh, slip out. There's a graduation service back at, his, at Pleasant Mount Gilead. But, uh, but we want to just respond to the Lord. The just shall live by faith. So let's just, just pause for a second here. Father, I pray that you would speak to us about all the different situations that are going on in this room. All the different personal things, the things that are happening with family, things that are happening with work. Uh, Lord, places where we're facing challenge, place where, places where we have received a, a word. And, and, and just we know, Lord, that you're bringing us into something more, and yet it seems like we're in that in-between place, though it tarry. And so, Lord, I pray for grace all around the room today, all around the room, Lord, that we would be able to hear this word of encouragement to trust you, to believe in you, to be active, Lord, in our faith. And, uh, you know, I, again, you guys, it's if you're just needing to start a journey with Jesus that can start today. It just starts with faith. Putting your hope in Him. He came. He, he is the Father's representative just to bring salvation and forgiveness and life to us. That's what Jesus does. That's what the, His life and the cross and the resurrection and His ascension is all about for us. Dealing with us. But then for all the, those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while, we still face these situations that where the Lord's calling us to trust Him. And that's what, that's what this call is right now. Just whatever the situation is where you need to trust the Lord. So we're going to just have a, an opportunity to respond to God. We've got some people that can pray for you. We're going to sing this song just kind of gently to the Lord here. And let's respond to God. Father, would you just meet us? where there's breakthrough that's needed, where there's just some encouragement, strengthening, prayer that's needed. Give us grace to press into you right now in the name of Jesus. Hey, whatever your need is, you guys, get help today. Get somebody to pray for you. If the front fills up here, get somebody to pray right there. We just we believe that God answers prayer and He meets us right in these situations right now. Come. <laughs>